Billy Piper, Patrick Lacey, S.E. Howard, Waylon Jordan, and Jeremy Herbert. Five acclaimed authors of horror and dark fiction. Their twisted tales appeared in the acclaimed horror anthology Worst Laid Plans from Grindhouse Press. Now, their tales of vacation terror are coming to the big screen in a feature film adaptation from Genre Blast Films. Five acclaimed genre filmmakers will bring these stories to life. Samantha Koyesnik, John Hale, Vanessa Yonta Wright, Michael Escobedo, and Jeremy Herbert. Worst Laid Plans. Now crowdfunding on Indiegogo. This is one vacation you'll be dying to take. <laughs> Welcome to Dead Headspace, now a part of the Silver Shamrock Horrorcast, a podcast network that includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unburying the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks with me, Brennan, and Ken McKinley. We do all this for the new generation. Episode 3 will air April 1st, where me, Ken, Brennan, and a new guest known as Well Red Beard will discuss Ronald Kelly's classic, his magnum opus, Fear. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Ghana, and all other major platforms, which now includes YouTube. That's right. Now you can watch your favorite episodes, including this one, by searching for Dead Headspace. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we're joined by one of the founders of Death's Head Press, Jared Barbie. How's it going, Jared? It's going fine, man. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Absolutely. Yeah, I've uh, been wanting to talk to you and or Patrick for some time now. What got you into horror? Oh, shit. What got me into horror? What didn't get me into horror? Uh, I just, uh, I I read Stephen King in an early age. You know, my parents, uh, they never, you know, they were kind of weird about movies but they would let me read anything I wanted. You know, if, if I was reading, they were happy. So, uh, I was just, I, I, I think I read Cujo or something like that, or maybe it, it might've been Carrie, but, uh, I was hooked ever since then. And then, uh, and then I got into, uh, Jack Ketchum, which, which pretty much got me into the more extreme end of the horror spectrum. So, uh, that was pretty much it. I knew it was for me. I loved horror movies. I would sneak around, you know, watch what I could. Uh, and I think Motel Hell was my first horror movie, so it was uh, it was all cool, and that was just it, man. I just I just dug it, you know, just like anybody. So just dove in and couldn't get enough. Now uh, I'm always curious when because we we talk to a lot of people who have that same experience as you, where uh, they're not allowed to watch kind of the gory 
horror movies when they're little, but as long as they're reading, you know, they can get away with anything. So do you think it was more a matter of we're just happy you're reading and we don't care that, you know, that clown just ripped that poor boy's arm off or they or or, uh, an ignorance is bliss. It's a book, so it can't be that bad. I think it was more the ignorance is bliss. They had no idea what I was reading. And it, and it might have been a, a combo of both, you know, because I'm a firm believer that as long as you're reading, you're improving your mind. You know, it's you're exercising your brain, no matter if you're reading smut or, you know, just whatever you're reading, as long as you're as long as you're reading. So uh, I think my parents kind of felt the same way, but they were also kind of glad that I wasn't out, you know, running the roads. I was uh, I was reading. So, you know, yeah, I could definitely agree with that point of view. I, you know, semi-related, you know, I always will stick up when I hear somebody get ripped on for mispronouncing a word. I love that old adage like, hey, if you're mispronouncing a word, it means that you learned it by reading. So it, you're, you're, you're improving your mind no matter what you are, in fact, reading about, even if it is that, you know, catch them extreme horror stuff. Correct. Correct. I'm a firm believer in it. You know, I let uh, my kids, uh, I pretty much, I mean, I would try to keep them away from the X-rated stuff uh, and I would pay a little closer attention to what they were reading, but uh, you know, as long as they're reading, uh, I won't read let them read any deaths at press books, but uh, <laughs> uh, I will let them give them to their teachers, but they never they haven't took me up on that offer yet. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm a firm believer. As long as you're reading, you're improving. I'm curious what your first experience with Jack Ketchum was, man. Oh man, I, I think it was the girl next door, or it, it. I mean, it's been it's been a while back. It could have actually been. Uh, uh, damn, what is it? I, I drew a blank. You know, the cannibal one. Uh, off season. Off season. Yeah. Why couldn't I think of that? I wanted to say the offspring. I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, off season. Uh, and and from there it just progressed. You know, and then I started reading some Wrath James. Why I started progressively getting more and more gore, more extreme. Uh, and I, it, I just, it strikes a, no, uh, a note in me, you know, I just, I, I'm in tune with it. Uh, soothes the savage beast per, per se, you know? So, yeah. Uh, the very first episode Brandon and I recorded last year was, um, our first experience with Jack Ketchum when we thought we were going to have a round table every now and then, but that didn't work out well. And, um, we dove into the girl next door. I had a couple friends that were like, that's probably a little bit too much for your first one. I'm like, that's why I want to do it. Right. It it changed my view as a reader and a writer in every good way because it's so powerful, man. It is. I mean, it's it's emotionally draining to read that book. I mean, by the time you get... You get to the payoff, you're like, oh my God, thank God, you know, that this is finally happening. And you know, there's some some peace. I I I know I don't want to give any spoilers, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So uh you just you're just glad it finally went down. So at the at that point in the book. Brian, you got anything else on the subject, or um can we move on to something that uh, I want to dive into Death's Head Press? No, go right on ahead. So um for those that don't know, potential buyers or readers, uh, tell us a little bit about Dusthead Press. How'd you get started? Uh, well, we uh, we got started uh, one to one day. I mean, I don't know. I got a wild hair up my ass, and I wanted to I wanted an anthology based on uh, 
the book of revelation and uh and there wasn't one out there so i was like you know what self why don't we why don't you just you know you've been a fan you you're on facebook with some of these authors why not just reach out to them and uh make your own book so i Patrick and I were friends on uh, several other groups on, on Facebook. So I, I mentioned it to him, said, Hey, you want to, you want to write a story for this? I know you're an author. Uh, and he's like, well, you know, are you a legit press? Well, I mean, what are you doing? You're just like trying to put this book together. I was like, yeah, I mean, that is kind of what I'm doing. Uh, I said, he said, well, you know, you really need to be a legit press, you know? So I was like, Oh, well, so I, I came up with the name death Head press off the top of my head. And I, I told him to hold on a minute. And I just, I really just went online and uh, made Death's Head Press LLC. And I was like, hey, man, I just made this LLC. I'm Death's Head Press. So we got a legit company. Do you want to be partners in it? And and he was like, well, we don't know what the hell we're doing. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so uh, we just started it. I mean, and we, we took a bunch of shitty bookmarks and stickers and a banner to KillerCon 2018 and just basically accosted every author that we saw uh, and and Hell Followed came out of it. And really the press started up to make that book. And then we, we went on from there. And just to be clear, for those that don't know, he's not talking about me. He's talking about his partner, Patrick C. Harrison. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Patrick C. Harrison. My yeah. partner in crime. Uh, good dude. Good author. All around good guy. So yeah. that, and that's what we I mean, we just we've been winging it ever since. And we've we've gotten lucky purely as a spectator. It's been well, that's not true. I've I've submitted once before and I want to get to that later because it was a very good experience. But um, speaking as both of those, I've loved watching you guys grow like you guys have gone from that anthology, which I, I was going to bring up because the artwork is really neat. Plus, you got a great uh, um, table of contents, just a few names, you know, Rock James White. Jeff Strand, Sisters of Slaughter, and then uh, Wally Young, a few other, Kristen Morgan. Um, that's a hell of a way to start out the gate, man. Um, it was. It was strong. You know, we uh, go big or go home was our, our attitude when we came out with that, you know, and uh, worked out for us, you know. I, I don't know Patrick off social media, so he's probably just like he is on there as you are, but I – I always see him with the same type of hat, smoking a cigar. That that guy loves his cigar. Oh man, he loves his cigar. He loves his whiskey, and he loves that cheese cutter that he wears all the time. You know, uh, <laughs> so to each his own, man. I'm I'm baseball cap. I've still got my work clothes on here. Uh, so uh, I mean, we're basically just two normal dudes, man. You know, and which yeah. most everybody in this industry in this indie horror game are just normal people very approachable and that's what helped us get started really is because everybody is approachable yeah um when i've i've always been in love with documentaries behind the scenes of movies and interviews and stephen king i watched every one i could find online and uh he was talking about how most authors are not like him and and i i didn't get it because only authors i knew at that time before the indie indie scene was the ones I see in bookstores or grocery right. stores, I'm like, well, what do you, what do you mean? You, uh, they are probably making lots of money. And yeah, now I'm aware. <laughs> and now you know the truth. It sucks. The, the ugly truth. The margins are very small. 
So yeah, it's, uh, it's it's really odd. Uh, and then you guys move to Dig Two Graves Volume One and Two. Wasn't that your second anthology? I believe it was our second anthology. It was like a two volume set because uh, we had a hard time saying no, uh, and so we just had this glut of stories, and they were all pretty damn good. So we just decided to make uh, two two volumes of the same anthology, uh, which with some of the stories were uh, nominated for the Splatterpunk that year, the same year that Anne Hell followed one, the Splatterpunk for anthology anthology of the year. So, which was a surprise, uh, you know, first first uh, out of the gate, and we and we won the Splatterpunk. It was uh, it was a pretty good year. Yeah, uh, that was another point I wanted to bring up. But before that, uh, Dig Two Graves, um, that was the first time where a publisher, I reached out to a publisher and uh, I talked to Patrick and I, I just said, hey, would you mind like telling me what I can improve, what I got, like I got rejected, like what didn't work for you? And he was kind enough. I was nervous. I thought he was going to get like the, the usual like, nah, I don't think so or ignore the message and He's like, basically, I didn't feel your character, what they were going through and whatnot. And he went through the details. And I, I'll never forget that. That was three years now, something like that. Yeah, 2018. Uh, four, three, three four ago. years ago. Yeah. So it's stuff like that. Authors, uh, this conversation comes up a lot with me and some of my friends. But I, I'll forget the publishers. Uh, and I... I you know, I know the in, yeah, ins and outs of like you can't respond to everyone, but because of him doing that, because of how communicative you are, it's I don't forget that, and I don't think other people do either. That's probably why for these past few years, you guys have really kicked some serious ass. So that brings me to the Splatterpunk Awards. You guys are always yeah. nominated, yeah, <laughs> in I mean, multiple this, categories. Yeah, this year, I mean, well, this, I mean, this is the only the second year we've been really eligible. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we were pretty dominant last year, you know, as far as nominations, we had a lot of stuff nominated. Uh, we, we won one, I mean, which was more than we expected, but this year we've got eight nominations all together, uh, yeah. for, uh, for not for the press, but for the authors, uh, we didn't put out any anthologies, uh, last year, I don't believe. So we weren't, we're not eligible, but a lot of our work is, and uh, Patrick on his own is eligible for one uh, for something he put out. So it's it's going to be a good year. I mean, we're up against some stiff competition this year. You got Triana in there who's always killing it. Uh, Christine Morgan, uh, Janine Pipe is in there this year. There's and uh, and Samantha with uh, True Crime. That's going to be a tough one to beat. Uh, so. We'll see how how it shakes out, but yeah, we're pretty surprised uh, that the public's really digging what we're we're doing. So it's humbling. Yeah, what was that off the top of my head? One of his because Trion has, or maybe I said that wrong, but he's got two titles in there. One of them was um, something Boatman, Riverman. Gone to see the yeah, Riverman. That, that's it, Riverman. Yeah, I've heard nothing but there's so many good books. I wish I could read them all, but that was one of them. I I gotta read that man, dude. That that is a great book. I mean, <laughs> and really, that's my odds-on favorite to win in uh -huh. that category. You know, I'd love to see Magpie Coffin win by Wiley Young because it's a great book as well. But Gone to See the Riverman 
is is a really great book. And uh, I think the other one is They All Died Screaming, which I haven't I have not had a chance to read yet. Uh, so definitely, definitely some stiff competition and uh, just being nominated is, is an honor enough for us. I'd like to see our authors win, you know. So. Yeah. And uh, just a shout out to like Ronald Kelly. He's somehow never won an award ever. And uh, he has his collection, Essential Six Stuff, out this year. So that'd be really neat if he could win one too. Um, yeah. I've seen that one around. I don't know if it's in the nomination or did it just come out in 2021? Uh, 2020, it came out with uh, Silver Shamrock. Oh, okay. So. Uh, if it didn't get the nomination list this year, it, it's not going to make it in the Splatterpunks because it's got to be uh, the year. So. Oh, I think it made it. Uh, oh, did questions. it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, great, yeah. great. Um, Brennan, do you want to lead into the Splatter Westerns or any or a different direction? Well, you know, first off, I wanted to touch on the Splatterpunk Awards. You know, you uh, gave full credit to your authors. You say it's a, you, you, you got eight nominations, but it's on them. But. I mean, a lot of credit has to go towards kind of cultivating what, you know, Death's Head puts out. So I'm curious if you could talk to that a little bit. Once you, you know, you start out with the anthologies, but once you start releasing uh, novels, how do you decide what is, what a Death's Head press release is? Oh, that, I mean, that's a tough one. There's, uh, I mean, first off, we... We publish what we like. I mean, because it is it, we've got to like it before before we'll put it out to the public. And we like to we like to stay on top of what people are digging. You know, uh, we know what authors that we have uh, now and that we want. Who, who's writing stuff that's a little cutting edge, a little different than than what's been put out there. So, I mean, that's what we look for. It's something a, a little different, uh, and and just good writing it really i mean it could be anyone uh we you know when we first came out we were doing open submissions but i mean as as a two-man operation you just get swamped so i mean you lose track a lot of, of new talent coming up because of it but it's 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 like a necessity but to get into death's head press all you got to do is have a good story uh and and believe you got to believe in yourself and just be confident and approach us, you know, because we're approachable. I mean, our door, like we say, our door is open to everyone. So, I mean, if you come at me with a good pitch, I'm going to look at it. I mean, plain and simple, uh, Patrick will look at it. I mean, Patrick does more of the looking at it than I do. I'm going to, I'm going to admit that right now. Uh, Patrick is, is, is the editor in chief. So he, he's got eyes on a lot more of the stuff than I do. I'll generally just, uh, I guess I'm a, I'm like a net, you know what I mean? I'm the first line you've got to go through and then uh then it's got to make it through Patrick. So that's pretty much how we do it. Uh there's and I mean and there's a few authors that that will we will publish. I mean it's like Chandler Morrison comes up with I've got something new. You want to see it? Absolutely. We want to see it. You know, uh you don't have to pitch it to us. We, we just want to see it. So there there's a there's in fact a lot of authors like that, you know, Wiley Young's like that, whatever he's coming out with, we want to see first. We want dibs. So if I hope that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you certainly have to running um running an indie press, you know, kind of build those relationships with your authors so that 
you know, there, 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 it, there's a nice back and forth there where, you know, just taking Wiley Young, for example, um, you trust the author. You know that he's going to deliver the goods for the most part. And he's had a good experience working with Death's Head Press. So you know that he's going to come to you first. Now, I'm wondering if you could toot your own horn a little bit. What do you feel like you uh, what what does Death's Head Press offer those authors to keep coming back to you with their work? Well, I mean, one thing we pay our authors, you know, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't try to take the lion's share of, of, of what the book is making. Uh, we want it to be a, a, a true partnership and we want, we want Death's Head Press and all of its affiliates to be like a family, you know? Uh, so we treat everyone with respect regardless. Uh, and, and we pay the guys fairly and we don't, we offer, I, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. We just, I, I didn't think it was that much different than what people were doing, but apparently it, it is. Uh, so we, I mean, generally what we do is a 50, 50 split on all, you know, on all, on all receipts. And, uh, we allow the authors to, to buy from us at a really super discounted rate. Uh, and then they get to keep when they sell on their own private website and sell signed books. It's it's them. They get to keep the cash. We don't we're not in this to get rich. We're in this because we love books and we love being a platform that people can put out what's what's on their uh, on their minds. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, Jared, we love I didn't to get to put, rich. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot with that one. I just you know, the way I look at it, there's a certain uh subset of authors in the horror industry that uh they seem like they live and die by the the press and to me that screams that this press is doing something right um so i mean that's that that's what i kind of wanted to get across there well and, and we also we don't put a lot of limitations you know there's a lot of you know what's the deadline what's the word count you know what we want is your story and we're not going to put arbitrary shackles on you when you're just trying to tell a story, if, if we suggest maybe a 30,000, uh, word count, uh, limit, if it takes you 45,000 and it just takes it, I mean, it is what it is. And, uh, we don't edit the author's voice out of it. We put what, uh, what they have to say out there. I mean, we don't, we don't do much. Uh, all we do is basic editing and make sure that they, they, their eyes are dotted and their T's are crossed, but the story's theirs, and we give them a lot of a lot of input into their covers. Uh, we just basically it's it's a team effort, and they're part of the team. They they never ever feel like they're not involved in their own book anymore. So, yeah, that's, that's it. You know that the, and and you said I don't know if I answered your question. That it yeah that answers my question. That's <laughs> that's perfect. That's. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I think anybody looking, any author looking into an indie publisher wants to hear a lot of the stuff that just that you just said. So that's golden. So, uh, yeah, let's go into splatter Western stuff. Now, the, I mean, this has been just huge in the community in the last year or so. I'm shocked. So, uh, <laughs> where does the idea germinate from? I'm telling you, the, the idea originally germinated straight from Patrick C. Harris in the third's mind. Uh, full credit to him. This was his baby from the start. Uh, when when he first approached me with the idea, I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I got on board pretty quickly with the authors that he that we had in mind. Uh, and I mean, 
honestly, it was his baby. Uh, I really developing the idea. I had very little, little to do with that. Uh, now, once the idea was there and we put out the first book and it grew, then I started uh, maybe, you know, watering it a little bit, getting new authors like Triana, Chandler Morrison, Brian Smith, because uh, it, it originally started out as, I think, seven uh, books that we had in mind. Then it moved to 13 because I, you know, people were like, hey, we want to do one. And, I, and like I said, I, I have a hard time saying no. I'm like, Brian Smith, you got it. You know, Christopher <laughs> Rufty, you're in. So uh, it quickly grew. It, it grew. So there's 13 in this first round, uh, which we're, you know, calling season one of the Splatter Western because we got a whole nother series uh, going to be going to be starting up pretty soon after this one's over with. Uh, but we're going to have a lot more diversity in the in the second season. We're going to have, uh, you know, Haley Piper's doing one. Uh, I, I got a. Uh, I've got a pitch from Laurel Hightower, which I'm going to look very, oh. very strongly at. Uh, I haven't got a chance. Laurel, if you're listening, I'm going to get back to you, I swear. Did, uh, not, hear, did not know that she uh, pitched for that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, she pitched. I mean, totally. Mary San Giovanni uh, got, oh, a, shit. Got, a, got a message from her today. She's on board. Uh, nice. I, I believe Summer Cannon's on board. Uh, and we've got a local Houstonian who uh, – is a professor here at the same college my wife is a professor at, or named Rhonda Garcia. She's going to be doing one, uh, and JD Graves. I mean, we've got a, we've got a huge. It's going to be a different season. It's going to be a whole different splatter western season than what we've seen so far. So far, we've seen a lot of the classic western uh, with the horror element, but in fact, really starting with our next release, which is Shadow of the Vulture from. Uh, Regina Garza Mitchell or is it Mitchell Garza? See, I always get her name and I'm so sorry, Regina, but, uh, <laughs> but hers is like a counter Western, you know, it, it, uh, it goes, it goes against the grain of what the classic Western is. And I think people are really going to dig it. Uh, but yeah, just stay tuned. That's, that's what we got in mind for the, uh, the splatter Western. We're, uh, we're going to, we're going to open it up, you know, and, 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 and kick the kick the hinges off, you know what I mean. And uh, Shane Hawk talked about his. Shane on, Hawk, yes. <laughs> he talked about his on uh, Chris Morsels, another podcast uh, friend of the show, Eric. Uh, his last name. Oh, help me out, Brennan. Raglan. Yeah, Raglan. Me mind's tired. Uh yeah, he talked about that on his podcast. It just came out today, and I mean that's really cool, man. That's that. Sure. Uh, Shane's an awesome dude, man. Yeah. Uh, we're we're really fortunate to uh, to have him on board, and I look forward to what he's uh, what he's going to do with it. I think it's going to be really special. Yeah, well, I talk to Shane often, and uh, we we both had not because it's you, but we both talked very highly about you. I'm really excited from the work with you and you and your press, man. Um, I would love to discuss someone that I can't get on this fucking show because he's too nervous and. Sorry, I'm throwing him under the bus, but Justin T. Coon. Oh, Justin, man. What a fucking superstar. His art is so beautiful. How how did that partnership happen? Cool. Well, I, I he did a, a couple of covers for us before. He did Christine Morgan's Dawn of the Living Impaired, and he also did uh, Wesley Southern's Resisting Madness collection. Yes, uh, that's right. That was, we, I loved it. That that reminded me of a Clive Barker uh, novel. 
Yeah. So, I mean, he, we already knew his artwork was like top notch and we love the style uh, and the color, the color palette he chooses to use. I mean, he's really, he goes crazy with the colors, but, uh, and we wanted these uh, Westerns to be collectible. So we wanted the same artist for every cover. So there was some consistency there. We didn't want the same cover every time, but we wanted consistency in it. You know, we didn't want to do a digital and then do a hand. We wanted everything. We're really a stickler for covers. And we, we, that's one thing we won't cut any corners on is our covers. We believe that uh, we want to bring back the art and cover, you know? So Justin is the, uh, the epitome of professional when it comes to, to art and we trusted him and he hasn't let us down. I mean, the shadow, I, I, I kind of put a sneak peek of shadow of the vulture up on Facebook and Twitter today. And it is just, it just keeps getting better and better. So, but he, uh, and, and he signed on board for the second season really. So he's, we're going to keep the consistency of the covers throughout the whole series. So, that's how that's how he got on board. We just we just said, "Hey, you want to do this?" And he's like, "Yeah, man, I want to do this." And we're like, "Let's do this!" And so we're doing it. So that's so cool. Brandon, yeah. you got any words to say about this? Yeah, I was I was just gonna say, you know, the echo the same thing. Like the not even just the cover reveals, but kind of the build up where we get like a little bit of the artwork revealed, and then the colored artwork, and then the full cover. Like it's it's an event. And I mean, like cover reveals have kind of become mini events in their own nowadays, you know, with the Twitterverse. But um, this is something else. And yeah, that's I don't know. Maybe it's because that we, we've now seen eight, eight of them and eight and a half, if you want to uh, include right. Regina Gar- Garza Mitchell's. But um, it's uh, it, you can't imagine anybody else kind of putting their stamp on the covers like uh, like Justin has. Right. Holy shit! I just checked out the cover. Is that badass? Yeah, that's the Mexican <laughs> flag too, isn't it? Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't think there's any yellow in the Mexican flag. I think it's white. Yeah, but I, no, I, it I, is white. Yeah, I think it's white, red, and green. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think that he was given. He's that's the vibe. Okay. For for the uh, for the cover. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in that, that blood at the bottom, it's just really uh, that makes it pop. It's, and and in a hardcover, these covers look twice as good. I mean, they look all right. They look all right on the cheap Amazon paperbacks. But when uh, when Thunderstorm puts their you know twist on it here, let me let me get one here. Uh, I mean, just take this. I mean, I don't I don't know if you can see it, but it just it's like no, that's cool. It's like next level type shit. Uh, and and Justin, man, I mean, I'm I'm hoping, and and we talked about it today, me and Justin. I said if you keep up with these covers, you're you won't have time to breathe, man. You're gonna have so many commissions that you won't have time to do it. He's like, I'm already there, bro. I'm I'm booked up for a year and a half. <laughs> and uh, I was like, that's awesome, you know, that is awesome. But don't forget about our covers. But that's awesome. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he he's just uh. Just the, he was the right choice. Did you ever think that you get an artist like that on on the regular basis? Hell no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, when we when we started off, we were doing digital covers because I mean they're they're cost effective. Uh, and then you know it just gets to a point where 
you just want your books to stand out. And I don't think, and now don't get me wrong. Digital artists are doing great things with covers. I mean, they're doing a lot of, but nothing to me says that you care about this book more than, than getting a good cover for it. So, uh, like I said, we won't, we won't cut corners there. We've got, we've got two, two cover artists we use a lot and that's Justin T. Coons and Daniela Batshiva. And, uh, both of them, they, they never let us down. Like one of my favorite covers is the cover for dead inside. I think that is uh, a really awesome cover. And of course all the splatter Westerns, uh, but they're, they're just in a league of their own. So, uh, I mean, we're not turning back. Did she do until the sun as well? No, I think, uh, Alex McVeigh did that. Oh, okay. That's why. Oh, well, Ronald Kelly always, he's, that's one of his guys. So I'm very familiar with him, but, um, I really like that cover. Really like that book too. Um, yeah. Until the sun is, is, I mean, it's, it's an awesome book. It's, it's very underrated. There's not, I mean, it's not one of our best sellers and I can't understand why, uh, there's been a really big resurgence of dead inside. Cause we released dead inside, you know, whew, it's been almost a year now, but it's just now coming in, into its own. And it's because of these, these reviewers going on YouTube and stuff. I don't know if you've watched some of these hilarious, <laughs> basically what amounts to a negative review of it. Uh, <laughs> but it is just selling the shit out of these books because you know, horror fiends, once they hear something's too extreme for somebody to read, that is what they want to read, you know? So, and, and I'm telling you, Dead Inside is one of my favorite books because it's, it's there's so many layers to it. I mean, you, you got this extreme gore, of course, and you've got the, the, the scene that, you know, all the bizarre, but deep down, it's a love story. And it's, and it's a, and it's a story about the morality of people, you know, and society in general. And once you, once you get past all that gore and everything and you dig into the story, Man, it it Chandler just knows how to do it. So I I don't know how to ask this question, and if I'm phrasing this all fucky, just let me know. You and Patrick, and this is only a compliment. I got to preface that you guys are uh, of the mindset of the generation. I guess you guys would be the same generation of like Shizmar, Richard Shizmar, and. Uh, Keen. Um, I don't know. Wait, Keen's probably older. Yeah, Keen's definitely uh, old. Keen's he? my age. He's only he? a couple of years older than me. I'll be fifty this okay. year. So, um, I'd like to move on to uh, trigger warnings and such. Ah. I know that some people have really strong feelings about them. They make good arguments. Other people aren't for them. Um, you and Patrick don't have them, and not only that, you guys kind of you guys know what you want with your books, and I. I know you guys are very observant with what's going on and what people like, but you guys have a vision. You guys work well together. I'm curious with trigger warnings and such with your, um, what's the word I'm looking for with how you approach your books. Okay. So trigger warnings as a, as an idea, I, I, I'm not really for them. Uh, especially for the extreme horror, uh, genre uh and we we had actually a panel on this on tuesday uh where this was the main topic and uh now i i, I saying that i don't agree with trigger warnings 
does not mean that I'm blind or deaf to the fact that there are people out there that, that may be triggered by this. Uh, so, you know, we'll drop, if you pay attention to social media, we'll be like, you know, Hey, this, there's this, this, and this, I mean, we won't, but I think a lot of trigger warnings are going to give away your plots, mm -hmm. especially in extreme horror. You know, if you, you're like, well, there's going to be some rape in here and you know, this, this, and this, well, and this type of, type of book, you may be giving away too much. And then, mm -hmm. and also, like I told the panel, a lot of people want to feel what is in that book. They kind of are going into it for the triggers. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm one of those people. I mean, I want to feel whether it's, you, you can always have a positive reaction to a negative emotion. And, uh, and that's what I go for is, is the positive uh, in reaction to the, to, to negative uh, stimuli. And I think that's what that does. I mean, if you, if you spend your time just worried about if you, if you try to avoid all the bad, you're going to miss something really beautiful. Another thing that I have against trigger warnings is I think that it, uh, when I read a book and, and I try to put myself in everybody's position when, when, you know, I try to think of everybody, but I want an emotional connection with a book, you know, and if I, and if I'm reading these trigger warnings, I'm spending all my emotional capital just worried about these trigger warnings. And, and by the time you get to, if you decide you want to read the book, you, you're kind of spent, you know, your emotions, you already know what you're going to feel. Hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at on it. I mean, I do, when, when I put it out to reviewers, I let them know uh, so they're not blindsided by it. I mean, uh, I'll let them know what's in the book. Not There's there's never going to be trigger warnings on the outside of our books or anything. It's, it's never going to happen. Uh, and I apologize to anybody that they do trigger, but it's not going to change how we do things. Yeah, and see, that's what I really, I mean, I like a lot of things about you and Patrick, but I, I, I like that about you guys where I'm just, you know, going to be very blunt. There are certain groups that like to read books for the reason we do, um, which is for the joy of it. There's others that have different reasons. There's another kind that just read to seem to get offended. And that's typically the Karens are the ones that try – uh, they act like everything's black and white. There's no nuance with anything and everything's a war. And uh, when companies cave with those types of people, it's it just it, no one wins. So I'm glad that not that you guys are in any dispute with anyone, but I'm glad that you guys stick to your guns. Right. I mean, there's no reason there's no reason to cave because we're really not we're not we're not doing anything wrong. We're just not pandering to uh, a limited group that have a problem with it. I mean, if if there was a huge outcry, we might listen to it. I mean, we wouldn't change what we're doing. We may acknowledge the fact that we that we screwed up or that we that we might have treaded on, you know, where we shouldn't have, but we we won't take it back and we won't we won't change it in the future. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, and there's always going to be somebody offended or not liking what you put out. You, you have to go into it knowing that and and just have the uh, just be ready to, to deal with it. I mean, you know, if you're going to 
it's sort of like if you're going to do the time, uh, crime, you get better be prepared to do the time. We're prepared to do that. Uh, I mean, we do, we do sympathize with people who are easily triggered by this stuff, but if that, if they're that easily triggered, then maybe they're reading the wrong stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, I just saw today online for this article about how the current generation is certain Gen Z's are uh, upset with Eminem and want him canceled and how uh, that's what Eminem has thrived on since day one. That's what he does. That's I mean, he's he Eminem. And the <laughs> specific song was with Rihanna where he's in the role of a abusive relationship. And that's the point of it you and you know what i i'm not going to quote or paraphrase but cena palaya was talking about this where not every character is relatable hell one of the first the first novel that i attempted to write was influenced on the devil's rejects and those the firefly family are horrible people (laughs) horrible but you still kind of root for them at least i did maybe it's just me (laughs) (laughs) well even if you you know when you have reprehensible characters and what people don't realize is that even if you want to see that character die you're making a connection with that character so you want to keep reading that book just so you can see them die so that's one of those you know negative you know stimuli turn it into a positive thing i mean because you're 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 sticking with that book because you really want to see this character die so I believe in that. I believe that's a, I mean, if that's why you're reading my book, then read it. I mean, you know, and then sometimes you might get surprised and the bad guy does not die at the end. So. Anyway. Um, I, I want to ask you, what books would you recommend? Because for me, I mean, I've kind of looked and asked around um, for extreme slash splatterpunk. Like I already read the girl next door. I felt bad saying this at first that I loved it. I don't give a fuck anymore. I forget who said that, but I fucking love that book. It's one of my favorites. It's great. It's one of my favorites. It's and, in my top three. And uh, I got Peaceable Kingdoms and Red by Ketchum too. So I, I don't have enough time to read books I don't want to read in my free time anymore. Right. So they're up there. But uh, the other one I have is Jeff Gonzalez's Survivor, and um, awesome have, book. Is that? Yes. Okay, that I, I recommend that. That is a good book. And then uh, the other one is True Crime, and that was one of my favorites last yeah, year. True Crime was was outstanding. I just got the audio book, so I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it because I I do love my audio books. I think it adds a new dimension if you've got a good narrator uh, to the book. I mean, you've already read it, so you you basically know, but then you can listen to the nuances of the book and really dig into it, uh, especially while you're driving to work. So, uh, my books that I recommend, you've already said one survivor is, is, is definitely one of my, I like, uh, uh, population zero by wrath James white. I really like that book. Uh, and then I don't only read horror though, you know, so I do, I do like the Lumley series, the necroscope series. I recommend that. Uh, but Where the Red Fern Grows is absolutely one of my favorite books. Uh, A Time to Kill uh, by Grisham. I mm-hmm. really dig that. Uh, and then I'm I'm into these uh, Vince Flynn. Uh, 
he's dead now, but uh, he wrote this series of like a CIA assassin. I really like those books. It's the Mitch Rapp series. Uh, any of those are good if you like that espionage type uh, CIA covert operation stuff. Uh, sort of like a Joe Ledger from uh, Mayberry, mm-hmm. uh, but only a lot more badass. Uh, so, and nothing supernatural. It's all terrorist. Uh, so, but as far as extreme horror, like I said, Population Zero, Survivor's a good one. I have to say, if you want extreme, go with Dead Inside. Uh, you'll never be the same. Uh, but but if you but if you read the book, go into it with an open mind and don't just don't just pay attention to the gore. It's it's only there to draw you in. It's hmm. the story that's within those the gore that uh, you're going to get something out of. Uh, Fantastic! I'm gonna throw two books that aren't horror, but they uh, they star two Texan boys. Uh, the first one is American Sniper. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I I view myself as a patriot in the sense where I love my country. There's a lot wrong with it, but I still love my country and every you know the people in it. Damn straight. Um, I. I I get nervous to say that nowadays, but whatever. I'm I fucking love my country, man. And um that was really if you're into that sort of thing, that was a great book. I mean he, he's on record of sniping more than yeah, I mean, anyone else. Chris Kyle is a badass. I mean, he is a true American badass, you know what I mean? Uh he gave up a lot to uh to fight for our country and uh, American Sniper is, is, is an excellent book. Excellent movie too. Uh, the movie wasn't quite as good as the book. Now there's another one and I forgot the name of it again, cause I'm stupid uh, at times, but it was the one that uh, Mark Wahlberg was in where I they was going to uh, say that lone survivor, the, lone survivor. Oh Mark my Luttrell. God. Yes. That was, that was one of the best wartime movies. Uh, you know, I was in the army. Uh, I was in first ranger battalion way back in the day. Uh, so whoa to any Rangers watching. Uh, so I, I have a special respect for these guys because I, while I haven't ever been in the situations they were in, uh, I certainly trained for those situations. Uh, see there I go with, uh, again, my wife is going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But but the uh, god damn it no I can't say now every time I say it it's just it's just blaring but I train for those and I have a lot of respect for for soldiers and seamen sailors uh, yeah. coast guard you know air force all of them uh, there's a special place in my heart for every single one of them you know man I I didn't even I this isn't in my notes I didn't think we talked about this but. Uh, which looking back now, I don't know why I wouldn't because this is interesting. Um, but now I'm saying it. God damn it, Jared. I know. <laughs> My wife, I never would have even noticed. <laughs> but, uh, the Lone Survivor, just real quick, bullet point notes on them. Um, I haven't seen the movie of either. I've only read because I wanted to read the books first, but then I always read over watching a movie unless I'm with my wife and we're just having dinner, then we'll watch a movie. But Lone Survivor is real interesting, and that could absolutely, with a few tweaks, be a horror, like a horror or extreme horror, uh, military horror. And absolutely, th- it's just so fascinating because 
the only reason why he was a lone survivor is because of how his um, leaders would have, the higher-ups would have um, been berated by people that don't know any fucking thing about what those types of Navy SEALs do. Like, yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, it's terrible stuff. And they're worried about the PR because of a bunch of douchebags that probably have never served. I haven't. Um, but I would never want to know what a Navy SEAL does if they don't want to tell me. And I'm not certainly going to raise hell about it. So and that's a good example of uh, really it speaks on a lot of things. And um, I mean, it can speak on a lot of things with horror. It can speak on a lot of things with video games. You know, how in the 90s and the early 90s, which led to the rating system, how, how people were outraged and saying that's the that's why there's all these horrible violent acts. But let's I'm getting off the uh, tracks. Uh, let, let's pull it back to horror. I don't know where I segue from here. So, Brennan, why don't you uh, help me out, buddy? Yeah. My God, you just ran in circles for half an hour. I don't know where the hell you were, right, where, you were going yeah. in the first place. You went down the rabbit <laughs> hole with that one. I went but then down, you fished yourself back out. <laughs> I went down my own rabbit hole, and it's a scary place. Please help me. But I, I get mean, what I was, you're saying, and uh, you're right. I sound like a madman. <laughs> it's the government, man. Jay, you found the stock answer for when Patrick goes down the ra- rabbit hole. I get what you're saying, and you're right. Now let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I feel better about myself. Thanks, Jared. Hey. <laughs> so... Okay, oh, thought, aw- awkward I, silence. I thought Brennan was going to take us away. Right, I thought he was going to segue. Actually, yeah. I, I, I want to kind of, I, I want to touch on the uh, back to the trigger warning thing, uh, unless unless Patrick has another rabbit hole to dive into. No, I'm going to shut the fuck up for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was just going to say, and I, I can't for the life of me remember exactly what it said, but I remember a post coming out of Death's Head Press months ago, uh, relating to the exact topic about how. The about how the books didn't have them, they were unapologetic, but however the the post was paraphrased, um, it, it, it was like, but we care, you know, we, we, we want you to know that, you know, we're not out to, to get you, we're not out to jump from behind a tree and, you know, ah, here's some shocking shit, um, and, you know, I, I think you guys definitely, you know, to a degree, even just the fact that you pull up the Death's Head Press Twitter and it lists you as extreme horror, like to me, that's almost a trigger warning in itself. It's saying that if you're if you have uh, trauma and you know that there's certain stuff that's going to set you off, that you almost need to do a little bit more research uh, into it before you read and that, you know, the way you run the press is if somebody sends you a message and says, geez, I'm, I'm just not sure this book is for me. You're not going to reply by telling them to get fucked. You're, right. you're, you're, you'll talk them through it. You know, you, Absolutely. yes, it is. Or no, maybe you should check out this one instead. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's, there, there's more ways to kind of care about your reader than just printing something in big, bold letters on the front page. Absolutely. And it's, and it's about being available to explain things like that. And we are available anytime somebody has a question like that. And my, I'll, I readily put my uh, email address out there. Patrick does too. And if anyone ever has a question, uh, it's the same way we treat 
the 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 audience at a, a convention you know you know people will be handling our books you know you know we'll ask them well, you know what do you like and what do you not like uh so and they'll let us know i say you know maybe that's not the book for you maybe you don't want to start with dead inside if this is your first extreme read maybe you want to start a little lighter and work your way up into it so and like you said we do care we and we we do listen uh but I mean, it's it's a balancing act. We, we we're always available if you need us. That's all I can say. If uh, if you if you're questioning it, Jared at DeathHeadPress.com. I'm always available, and I will answer you back. Now, with that balancing act, do you ever feel um, I don't know, maybe extra pressure to uh, really? pour a lot of uh, some extra time into like the back cover copy or the synopsis that goes on Amazon so that it does kind of give that reader anything else? Nope. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We certainly don't. Uh, We, uh, we, we kind of lean on the authors to do the back cover copy. We don't, uh, we're not, we don't come up with that. We want them to just, they've lived with this book inside their mind for no telling how long. So, they're the ones that can best describe it. I mean, so we let them, I mean, if we, we did have one book that, you know, the back cover mentioned rape. We were like, ah, that's probably not the best thing to put on the cover description, you know? So <laughs> let's kind of, let's kind of make it sexual deviance, you know? So you gotta be, you gotta be willing to bend a little bit. You can't, you can't be, 100% rigid. You can stick by your guns, but you can give a little every now and then, and you're no worse for it. Uh, and that's all I can say. It's stuff like that. Now, did it change the content of the book? No. Uh, did we put a trigger warning after that? No, we just decided not to trigger somebody from Amazon, you know, because we didn't want, <laughs> we didn't want our, we didn't want our book banned before it even got out to the public and it's not even out yet. Uh, it was just a recent one. Speaking of, and yeah, I'll segue into this. You said <laughs> you you were bringing uh you were bringing old paperbacks back. This was a this was a book that was last published in 1977, and it was featured in uh, paperbacks from hell. And it was called it's called Sweet Evil by Charles Platt, Charles Michael Platt now, and he uh, he contacted us, wanted to re-release it, and so we did. And it's uh it's can it's 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 sort of like natural born killers back in 77. So it's, it's going to be a good one. Uh, we were, we're really happy that he, uh, he approached us. It made us feel really, really good. So, Do you do a lot of reissues? This is the first one we've ever done. And we, we, we really tossed it around whether to do it or not, but we're like, you know, let's give people a chance to, to rediscover, like my generation, what they read back then uh, and give some new readers a glimpse of what horror was, was back in 1977. What was, what was acceptable then compared to what is acceptable now? What was popular then as compared to what's popular now? I mean, is it going to be as politically correct as the books that are coming out now? Absolutely not. Cause we didn't change one thing in that book, it, w- it was revised by the author just to be updated to the times, uh, just a little tweak here and there. Uh, 
but it's basically the same book. And I think it's a, it's a cool thing. It's, it's different. It's different than what's coming out these days, but it's also very entertaining. And I think we got to bring them back. Awesome. I, I just looked up his information, man. He's interesting. Uh, uh, he's British and computer program journalist, author. Uh, he sounds like a fascinating guy in general. He's a really, he's a really good dude. Jared, you mentioned that, you know, I, I think you said it was an upcoming release. You uh, asked politely the author to change uh, the wording to sexual deviance to appease the Amazon gods. Yes. Did that? Did that decision have anything to do with the, uh, I, I'm going to butcher the name, but the Obliquitar Voluptus saga? It did. It, yeah, that came, we just got out of uh, face, I mean, Amazon jail for pre-orders because of that debacle. But yeah, I don't, I'd like to see my books get actually get sold. I mean, the notoriety is good, but it doesn't do much for sales. Uh, okay. So. For anybody who doesn't know that story, could you give us like the brief version real quick? Well, I mean, the story is that we came out with this. Uh, it, it was a it was an erotic. It's supposed to be an, an extreme erotic horror anthology. And we titled it Rope Burns because I thought that was a really cool title. It didn't have anything to do with any one of the stories. Just thought it was a cool title. So we we made the book. uh we put this cover on it and showed a woman in, in bondage, uh, you know, in, in, back in the dark, like she was being kidnapped and everything. And I'm, I'm guessing that Amazon had a problem with that. So they, we had it up for pre-order and everything was good. And then all of a sudden they were like, no. And then they blocked it and then they took it down and put us in pre-order jail. So I changed the name. Uh, and that's all I did. I just changed, uh, changed the name and changed the cover and put it back out there. And initially everything was cool. Uh, but then they banned it again, but they only banned the, the Kindle version. So the, the, the print book is still available for purchase, you know, but I, it's, it's their algorithms are, I don't know. Cause they never would tell me exactly what the problem was. They just kept saying content, content. So to avoid that, we try to not provoke them initially with the description of the book. So yeah, that that's it. I mean, and now that book is banned forever in an ebook for some reason, but you can you can buy it all day long in in, in a paperback. So. They do love rejecting things and not telling you exactly why. I'm just thinking of like how many reviews that I've I've had Amazon send me back with you know, a vague list of things it could be that don't really fit, but <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they never will. I'm like, tell me exactly. Well, and that's how you know that it's just this computer program, you know, flagging your book because they have, no, they really don't have any idea why that book was banned. The guys that you, that you email and that you talk to on the phone, they have not one clue, but they're instructed to give you this long laundry list of things it could be, which is, what you know it could have been to begin with, you know, that's, you were calling to clarify, but uh, Amazon, I, I would love to get off the Amazon tit, but they have a stranglehold on the business. Uh, it's a one-stop shop. You've got a built-in audience. You've got built-in marketing. Uh, you got built-in print capabilities. It's, it's so easy to use and it's cost-effective, even though they keep the lion's share of the money. 
I uh, got Devil's Creek, my review for that, rejected like six or seven times. I, I don't know why. I didn't have any cursing or anything in it. Fuckers. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally blocked. My personal account, I can't review anything anymore. Oh, no yeah, way. I, yeah, they've, they've taken away that privilege from me. So, and wow. I've, I've never, never argued with anybody reviewing. They just decided that I wasn't worthy to review their their stuff. Oh, yeah. that's fucked up. I want to talk about one specific book on your Splatter Punk, uh, Splatter Western series, which I bought recently. Haven't got the chance to read it yet. I am planning on doing that very soon. It is Red Station by Kenzie Jennings. Who I saw it on your bookshelf there that you put the picture of? Oh yeah, for yeah, it is on there. Yeah, uh, it's, well, believe me, because every bookshelf I see, I search for Death's Head Press books. <laughs> and, um. um it, it just—I mean—I've heard nothing but very highly uh, beloved comments. Well, Kenzie Jennings is a superstar. I mean, plain and simple, the lady can write a, a story, draw you into it, and you just want to stay there. And in Red Station, it's a simple—it's a simple premise and a simple story. But she, the, her characterizations is what makes that book. I mean, she, uh, it's the characters. It's not the setting. It's not, it's, it's how the characters interact with one another. And it's, and like I said, it's simple. So you're not, you're able to concentrate on the story and you don't have a thousand things, you know, well, what did this guy do here? And, you know, and trying to tie it all back together because it takes place in, in this uh, station house, you know, a way station for the stagecoach. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to give away any, any, anything else about the book, mm-hmm. but you, you just got to read it. It's uh it's a thing of beauty. And Kinsey, anytime she has a, a, a manuscript, you, she knows where to send it because we want to publish everything she does. That's great. Yeah. I've talked to her. We're going to, we're planning on having her on this year later at the end of the year. You definitely should. She's a uh, she's one hell of a an author. Very nice I, person too. Oh, I was going to say I, I, I would I would totally agree with that assessment too. Um, that if you if you take that book and you boil it down to the basic elements, like you pretty much you know nine out of ten authors are going to turn that into a short story. But um, you know the way the way that she builds up uh, just everything, and you know it. It, by by the time that again I won't spoil either, but you're you're standing up in your chair and you're you're rooting for uh for for Clyde um. actually yeah, absolutely <laughs> and she draws it out just long enough you know she uh like you said that's short it's it's a short story novella basically but she she's able to draw the characters out to to increase and you want that so. You know, some some novellas are you say, well, this would have been much better as a short story. She could have cut this off. They didn't need this. They didn't need that. But everything in that book is necessary and goes to plot, and it's just fantastic. It uh, I I don't even know what else to say. I mean, she just she knows what she's doing, and she does it well, and she brings you right into uh, into the station house, and you are rooting for her, Clyde. Now, you've talked about what you do look for in authors. What are and the reason why I like covering this with publishers or editors is um you never know who's listening. 
it could be someone that is just looking for tips. I'm thinking if I was eight years ago listening to podcasts, I want to know what to do and what, more importantly, what not to do. So, what what are red what are like some red flags that you would say eh, that kind of isn't what I want in my authors? Well, as far as authors, I mean, you've got to really watch your personality. You know, I mean, some people are naturally they have a person this sort of a personality, but you have to be always respectful. Don't be a pompous asshole, you know, uh, don't be afraid to approach and to ask questions. Don't be timid, but don't be too aggressive. Uh, don't tell me that I need to publish your work because that's for me to decide, but let me know that what you've got to put out is worthy of my attention. Mm. Uh, but don't, don't be an arrogant jerk about it, you know? And then we, if, if we do decide not to use it, there's nothing saying that we won't look at some of your work in the future. So don't, so don't try to come at us like, well, you're just stupid for not publishing this. And, you know, <laughs> we're so much better than, than so-and-so that you've got published. I mean, that, that'll get you on the blacklist with us real quick. Uh, just, just be original, be yourself. And, you know, respect, respect the craft and respect the fact that uh, it's a process and you're not going to win every time, but you also are not going to lose every time. You just got to have the stones to keep, keep plodding away. Like I said, just because you have one story or one novel rejected doesn't mean the next one that you come up with, even with us, if we rejected one of yours, the next one might be the one we go for. Uh, don't, don't be, don't be scared to. The life's too short not to put yourself out there and don't don't take rejections personal because they're not personal uh and I, I don't know what else to say just just be yourself just be a human just be mm -hmm. like hey i wrote this i think it's great i i would love it if you you read it too and nine times out of ten i'll if i'm if you're talking to me i'll be like look send it my way I can't tell you when I'm going to read it. Uh, but when I do, I'll give you the feedback that you're looking for uh, about it, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. And then feel free that if we, if we liked it enough to say, revise this, this, and this, send it back to us. Uh, just be yourself, be honest. Don't plagiarize people, you know, because we can spot that a mile away and don't do the same old, don't, I mean, do something different, you know, like think outside the box and, and that's all you have to do really. And you'll be a success. If you keep plugging away at it and it's something that you really want to do, you're going to see some level of success. You may not be the next Stephen King, but you're going to be something and you're going to write something that you're going to be proud of and everything we're, we publish, we're proud of, and we want the authors to be proud of it too. So yeah, um, I guess that's the downfall. Flaw, downfall, downfall with our uh, technology, where you can respond instantaneously before your brain even processes all the information, the branches it might travel. I've been a victim of it too. We all have, but absolutely, I've seen other authors where they just—I mean, they might say stuff about publishers or whatever—and and the lessons I learned early on were. Big publishers, 
potential agents, potential editors, potential authors who like, for example, I'm, I've been friends with Matt Wilderson for like a year now or whatever. And he invited me to an anthology he's doing. Uh, he invited the people he's friends with that haven't gotten many shots yet. And if I was a dictum, he probably wouldn't even remember me. Um, it's just it's a good reminder that you're always you should always be on guard that someone's that you may want to work with is is paying attention to you, what you're doing. Yeah, you don't have to kiss anybody's ass. Definitely don't. Yeah. Do not kiss anybody's ass and don't sell sell yourself out to to publish with a certain person. Uh, but like I said, don't be don't be a rude dickhead because yeah. there's some rude <laughs> dickheads out there. Yeah, man. Uh, but Matt Williston is a great guy. We we've got one yeah. of his books coming out uh, here really soon. Melancholia. Hey, can you so, talk a little bit about that? I cannot talk a little bit about that at this moment. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Thought I'd get it out of you. Okay. No, it's a, it's a. We're saving that one. But it, it, it's a. It's dark. It's not. It's not what you would call extreme horror. So it's something different than what we've been putting out. So. He's a really great author, and and when people like. You know, Brian Keenan, uh, Mary San Giovanni have really kind of things to say about his writing. They don't just say that. Uh, it's they probably wouldn't say anything, but it's not because they're friends. Like they think highly of him. I've read a book by him. I I don't know, man. He's got a lot of potential. He does, and and we see that potential, and we want to help him get that potential out there. And That's great. Brian is the one that that steered him our way, and we. Brian has been one of our biggest advocates, you know, since we started. So, I, uh, you know, I owe a lot to Brian. He's, you know, he's never really, you know, he, he works on, you don't see a lot of what Brian King does for the industry because he, he does it. I mean, he does say a lot, but what really matters is the stuff you don't hear about that he does behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's pointing young writers in the right direction to young publishers and to help all of them get a start. So, you know, I tip my hat to Brian King. He, he does a lot for the industry. He takes a lot of shit. And, you know, as you can see why the horror show's not on anymore is because it just took too much shit. You know, it gets to be, it, it grinds you down after a while. So you're not always going to please everybody, but God damn it, Brian tries to do what he can for the industry. Yeah, I'd actually like to talk about something I haven't mentioned about him before. Nothing but good stuff. But I used to run – I don't know if you're aware. I, I don't know who knows what, so I'll just say for who doesn't know this. I used to run a review platform that had uh, reviews. Um, I was the one that searched out and did all the footwork for getting all the women of horror people involved for the first and only year that we had it. And I bring this up because I reached out to Brian. Um, I reached out to 60 to 70 people. Some said no, most said yes. Um, that I think that's what burnt me out because Brian and I talked about that. I'm pretty sure that's what burnt me out. Um, but I talked to Brian and I said, Hey, would you possibly be interested in this? He said, Well, I don't think you should have a, I'm paraphrasing, I don't think you should have a white dude do this, but I know two women that would be excellent for it. And he suggested and introduced me to Mary San Giovanni and Summer Cannon. And they both wrote uh, an article for for our website. Uh, and I I was thankful for that. Um, he 
is responsible for, you know, a lot of things indirectly and directly with me personally. And one of those was he was kind enough to be a guest on my show. And I mean, same as you, very appreciative. Um, but he shoots straight with you. He, he, you know where he's coming from all the time. He's it, it, and and again, Brennan and I talked about this after we recorded him, but at no point was he like, all right, guys, I got to go. He just, we know he's busy, but he was great about it. He's very, he's, he's a very good dude. He does a lot of great things for for the uh, the industry. I don't think it would be where it is today without him. Right. And uh, I, I got nothing but respect for the man. And last, last uh, thing to say about him. I really hope his uh, nonfiction book "End of the Road" wins. I, I quite frankly feel like it's a disappointment if it doesn't, and there's some good competition. But that sums up what this genre is. I'm totally in that book too. So yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, totally in the books. A lot well, of people are. Too. <laughs> yeah. Brendan, watch takes away, sir. Um. So we we, we kind of talked about what writers can do correctly and what writers can definitely do wrong by the way i loved the extreme example of you know firing back after a rejection and saying that their work is better than you know the stuff that you've proudly published and you know it's easy enough to think like oh that's an extreme reaction but it's i don't know man there's some genuineness i feel like that's happened to you (laughs) and i absolutely it's happened and and that's basically slapping the publisher in the face saying that your stuff is shit up until you've read my work, you know, yeah. and how dare you not notice my greatness and, you know, and it's just like, wow, bro, you might want to just take a step back and, you know, send this to send this packet, you know, send it somewhere else because you're never going to get anything published through us. I don't care if it's fucking next Pulitzer Prize winning. I don't give a shit. You will never publish here. If you're going to be a dick like that. And you just have, wonder what's, what's their thought process? Like, what do they hope to accomplish? I don't know. I mean, it's like, do they think they're going to bully me into, oh, you're right. Your stuff is so great. How, how dare me not see your greatness and, and, you know, recognize it. Uh, and I won't, I won't name the guy, but um, cause assholes don't deserve to get the attention, but there was someone that was being super weird and creepy with Patrick and Jared and submitted some really fucked up, uh, a fucked up manuscript. I remember you guys posted about that. Oh, like, yeah. Two years ago, something like that. Yeah. I mean, we never, we get, there was a name associated with it, but that was not who it was. I mean, yeah. this, there, it was that, a was, pseudonym. that was a coordinated effort to, to fuck with us for no apparent reason. I mean, during that phase, that's when we first started. And what it started out is, is we rejected a story uh, because it was, the guy said he was a kid and he was like 16 or 17 years old. And we're like, ah, we're really not prepared to deal with, you know, publishing somebody in extreme horror who's underage. It's just not our game. I was very polite when I emailed him back, you know, and said, hey, you know, your stuff is good. And, you know, in a couple of years when you, you know, grow hair on your balls or whatever, come back <laughs> to us and, and we'll look at it. But man, after that, we got death threats. You know, they, they said they were going to put out a hit on us. And I know it was all the same. And I don't, to this day, I don't know who it was. You know, I've got my suspicions, have no idea who it was. Don't care anymore. Uh, 
but I hope that they achieved what they what they thought that they were achieving. I mean, because it didn't scare us. It was just it was pretty laughable. It was fucking weird too, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was fucking really weird. It was they put they they like put a hit out on me, Patrick, uh Wiley Young, and Chris Miller. I mean, it was like, you know, it's like, wow. So it, it was just it was crazy. What it really did was it helped us out because it, it got us a little notoriety at the time when we were starting out. So, I mean, I was like, Hey, thanks guys. You know, <laughs> probably had the ex- exact opposite effect you wanted it to have, but it was weird. And we, it, I mean, the FBI and everything, we, we contacted law enforcement over it because it got that creepy. Uh, so, and Brian, stopped, King, right? and Brian, yeah, it stopped. Okay. It stopped. You can't keep that up for long because these people know that they'll eventually be found out who exactly it is. So at least he was smart enough to end it before there could be too much digging into who it actually was. What did uh, what did King do? You know, King he he researched it. He 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 dug around for us. He gave us advice on what we should do. He. He said something about it on his show, you know, like this is fucked up, you know. So, uh, but he, he he was involved and and it, it ended. So mm-hmm. that was about the that's the biggest weirdest thing that's happened to us so far. So threw Brennan way off track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I just like the idea of uh, it, you know, kind of in that same vein of like a frustrated author who receives a rejection going on a tangent about how, you know, everything that you have proudly published is shit. Like what the, you know, I, I'm imagining this person thinking they're completely fucking with you, just getting absolutely laughed at. Um, and you know, that's definitely not the reaction they were looking for. No, um, I mean, you just roll with it. Yep. So, um, where I wanted to go after that was, you know, in addition to, uh, potential authors, what advice would you give for somebody uh, who is looking to start their own indie press? Ooh, first <laughs> off, do anything else but start your own indie press. No, uh, man, just if you want to start publishing, uh, I mean, study what so another press is, is doing and somebody who's doing it right, who people pay attention to what people say about that press and seek advice if you don't know something ask there you know this industry everybody has this idea that we're all feuding and presses are against each other trying to outdo and it's not like that at all we all talk we all share uh so just ask it don't don't be afraid to ask questions nobody's going to think any worse of you for asking the questions they they'll think worse of you if you don't ask the question and you do something totally fucked up you know yeah. So, you know, ask the questions. Uh, if you want to publish certain people, don't be afraid to approach them. Uh, bring some money. Don't don't think that you're going to get you're going to start this press and people are going to want to write for you for exposure because that's not fair to your press that you want to start or to the authors that you're. You're talking, and if there and if there are any authors of any caliber, they'll see you coming a mile away, and chances are they'll tell you no. But if you even come with a, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of money, but but show them that you're you've got to have skin in this game too. It's not that you're you're in it with them. It's not just a I'm gonna exploit your work for my gain. Uh, 
you're in it with them. You've got something, you're offering something, you want something in return. And just just do it. Is Don't be scared to make mistakes because you're going to make plenty of them. But learn from your mistakes and try not to repeat them. And treat the authors with respect because they are the reason that you are there. Uh, treat your fans with respect because they're the ones that are going to keep you there. Uh, anybody can start a press, but not everybody can keep a press running. There's there's a lot that, that are here one day and gone the next. And it's just a matter of treating everybody like you want to be treated and how you would expect to be treated. Yeah. I think it's, you know, you're not the first person I, I've heard say that um, the presses are all, and the people who run the presses are all so good about supporting each other that it's not, that it's not a competition. Um, and that's, that's such a cool thing to hear echoed over and over of that sense of community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there is competition, but it's friendly competition, you know? And when, when one press wins this award, you're not, you don't resent them. You're happy for them because it's like, wow. And then you want to be them. And then you work that much harder to emulate everyone else. So, uh, it, it, it's everybody lifting everybody up. I mean, it doesn't always, you're going to have your hiccups every once in a while, but for the most part, everybody works to lift the whole industry up the whole genre because we're such a niche genre and, and we, we have, we need every advantage we can. So there's no sense that we're fighting amongst ourselves. Uh, talking shit or anything like that because it, it just doesn't have it doesn't need to happen and it doesn't happen. Save that for for I don't know you know you know there's plenty of drama out there and we don't need to add to it. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's jump to uh, what are you reading right now, Jared? I am not reading anything right now. I did get this little jewel in uh, a fan of ours made made a deal. It's called. I can't even pronounce it, but it's by Brian Keene and John Urbancic. Uh It's a little hardcover, but that's what I'm going to be reading. Mm-hmm. Namicia. I, I don't even know. See, when you don't know how to pronounce something, you shouldn't try because I'm probably totally fucking it up. <laughs> and But that's what I'm going to be reading. And I'm also, as usual, reading manuscripts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to admit that since I started the publishing, the... Read for pleasure has taken a backseat, you know. Yeah. So, and I'm also I'm also going to be reading this one, the Perfectly Fine House by uh, Wiley Young and uh, Kozlowski. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For uh, you know, I think of you guys and uh, CV Hunt's company, Grindhouse Press, as like kind of friendly competition when you speak of that because you you two are the ones that jump out right away for to me for extreme horror. And Splatterpunk. And I have the utmost respect for Grindhouse. I mean, I read all of their books. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if they read ours, but I definitely read everything Carrie puts out. So. She, she's a she's a hustler, man. She's got some yeah. – y'all got some good products. It's awesome. It's a great time to be a writer uh, because you got so many great presses. You guys so – Sam Koyaznik's Off Limits Press, Silver Shamrock. Uh, I'm gonna stop there because I'm gonna leave out some without even meaning to. Right. Brendan, what do you? Uh, There's a Brendan, lot of them. 
Yeah. yeah. Br- Brennan, what are you reading right now? Yeah, great time to be a, a writer. Great time to be a reader, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I missed that one. <laughs> yes. Uh, so speaking of Silver Shamrock, I am reading From Death Reborn from uh, Kenneth Kane. It is out uh, sometime in April. And Patrick and I both had the opportunity to uh, read this early uh, from Ken Kane. And uh, I'm reading the updated version now. And it's it's pretty cool to see what he uh, what he did with it to make it a, a nice, tight, completed product. I'm really enjoying it. Well, we'll have to check that out. It's it's got it's it's very Barkerish. Um, it's it's got a lot of those elements to it. Silver Shamrock is another one of those presses that uh, it's it's a it's a buy no matter what they come out with. So uh, you know it's going to be good. Yeah, Patrick, what are you reading? What are you reading? <laughs> so I am about eleven hours out of fifteen ish into Ronald Kelly's Undertaker's Moon. I'm booked. Uh, it's so fucking good. It's such a good. Yeah, for audio listeners, Brennan just posted up with the book. It's just, it's it's amazing. You think you can't read any more, like, interesting werewolf stories, but it is. I'm not going to get into the details of it. You should just, if that intrigues you enough, then check it out. Um, what is the other one? I got to cheat and look at my Goodreads because my mind's blanking. Uh, Fear. <laughs> Fear, also by uh, Ronald Kelly. Um a yeah, sense of theme theme going on here. <laughs> Some a bromance with Ronald Kelly and Patrick. Yeah, he's become one of my favorite authors. Um, and then I'm going to be jumping into Greg Sisko's upcoming book with Off Limits Press. It's a re uh, pu- uh, reissued. Is that the correct terminology? I think so um, yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Called In Nightmares We're Alone, which comes out, uh, I believe, uh, two weeks from now. And then I'm jumping into that Tim Levin book, which is about how he got into a healthy lifestyle in his 40s. So it's not horror, but it's something that I personally want to read. One of my uh, one of my reads is going to be that Jeff Strand uh, nonfiction. Mm. I, I, I've oh, read part that? of it. Uh, the writer's life is that what it's called? I, I believe it is, and and Jeff is one of the people in the industry that I have some of the the highest respect for. Uh, Jeff is Jeff is one of a kind, and I have a lot of respect for him. And his writing to me is impeccable. So yeah, he, he you know he's just one of those names that you you know who he is if uh, if you like this sort of thing that we like in this industry. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on that your press or yourself is currently working on that you want to talk about? Well, I mean, we've got a few things in the works. Uh, we, we, we're just dipping our toes into the graphic novel. Uh, we're going to do some uh, Western horror graphic novels with a couple of young talents. Uh, Adam, oh God, now see, I'm drawing a blank. Vincente, shit. See, I, I'm going to have to look at those. But anyway, we're going to do that. We've got a, a Brian Keene novella coming out, a brand new Brian Keene novella. Nice. Uh, then we've got the Matt Wilderson. We've, of course, got the uh, reissue of Sweet Evil by Charles Michael Platt. Uh, I believe we got some, uh, we got a bunch of more Splatter Westerns coming. Oh, let me see. Uh, oh, Christopher Triana has, uh, we've got a crime thriller 
mm. that I've got the manuscript that we've uh, we've signed a contract on, uh, and the devil cried. It's uh, going to be a real emotional roller coaster for anybody who reads it. And let's see what else. Um, what else? Jesus, man, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're booked up and, until 2022 sometime, and I keep. I keep on saying, yes, I will look at that. So, I mean, there's there's just no telling what might happen. I have a King Diamond tribute a- anthology that I've I've had the stories for for about a year uh, that it's going to be coming out uh, called uh, Pulling Your Strings, a tribute to King Diamond, because I, I, I do believe his, his brand of music has done a lot for the horror. It's a, a good mashup of uh, metal and horror. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's one of my favorites, so I decided to do a book, an anthology on him. Uh, so it's just based on his music, uh, inspired by. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see what else. And then we've got we're going to do two uh, Western horror anthologies, uh, which I got a brand new Joe Lansdale story to go in one. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's actually uh, it's almost a mini novella. It's twelve thousand words, and it's. Uh, it's one of his characters he's written on. Uh, I don't know if you've read Dead Man's Road. No, no uh, not yet. No. It's, it's really good. And he's got this character, Jebediah Mercer, who's a preacher, but he, he fights evil. So it's a, it's a continuation of, of that. But we're going to do two anthologies, sort of like the Dig Two Graves. Only this time we're going to have uh, Upon a Dark Horse, which is going to be your more extreme uh, horror uh, you know, we're going to try to get Ed Lee to do something, you know, all the extreme guys. And then we've got upon a pale horse, which, uh, is going to be your more quiet Western or traditional, just weird West. So, uh, it's going to be something for everybody in that. And we're going to, we're going to release them at the same time. Nice. Wow. We've got Jeff Strand on board for that. And, uh, uh, S.A. Cosby. Oh, so, so nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got some we've got some good guys already. Uh, West Southern's going to do a story. Uh, so, and we're still building the list. That's fantastic. And I, I can relate to the you saying yes to everything. Brennan and I had many a talk about this show <laughs> where basically, uh, I mean, I get very excited. And let's put it this way. We had to break down uh, a limit to like six guests a month because I go a little bit crazy. So. <laughs> We've got the whole year planned out. It's a tentative schedule for the rest of the year. I know. I'm 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 horrible for it. You know what I mean? And uh, because I want to do everything that it's like I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And you know, Patrick, is, he just throws up his hands at this point. And he's like, "What the fuck? You know, we can't put out fifty books a year. We can't do it." I was like, "Yes, we can. We got no ad." You know. Uh, so Brennan's Patrick, and that's the yeah, I'm the Patrick. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Interesting, Patrick. Brennan's right. Patrick. Uh, so yeah, so and that's really it. And there might be some more news coming out a little bit later this year on uh, another little project. So uh, I've been sworn to secrecy on that so far, but it's going to be pretty big news. Cool. Uh, uh, a different direction than than what you're used to seeing. Uh, so. Other than that, we're just going to keep on with the keeping on. Uh, these Westerns are going to keep us busy for another few months. Uh, I mean, years. Uh, well, I mean, we're going to keep that up until people don't want to read them anymore. I mean, that if if the public still, if the readers still want to read about it, then we're going to keep on putting it out. And when they're the, they're 
who really decides what we put out. You know, we, we put out some of the stuff we want to every once in a while, but without the, without the fans and without the readers, then you're just putting it out to, to dead air. So you're just spinning your wheels. So we just, to a bunch of deadheads. Brennan, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? No, I was just going to say, I mean, as, as far as continuing the Splatter Western series, as long as people don't get sick of it, I mean, I feel like you guys have the right idea with uh, Season 2, because you've got so many different voices than the first round of books that you're just going to get, you're going to get, you know, yeah, they're in the same subgenre, but they're going to look so different that... You know, it's not going to get boring. I love that. Right. It's, and they, that's one thing we don't want. It, it, people are going to get bored with it. They've they've got bored with vampires. They got bored with zombies. And eventually they're going to get bored with this. And, uh, and that's when we know it's time to hang it up. You know, but even for this year, we still got Christopher Rufty, Brian Smith, Chandler Morrison. Uh, we still have them to go. And, and a guy named Cody Higgins. We still, we still have four more books to release in this in this series. So. In which they're all going to be available on Thunderstorm Books and Limited Hardcover. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the I'm getting side eyed here. Uh, there, well, there's the, there's the lovely Mrs. Deathhead Press over there. Hello. Hi. So we're just about to ask the husband where people can follow you, and we'll let him go. All right. So we're always available uh, on Twitter at Deathhead Press, uh, Facebook. You can you can hit me up. Uh, Jared Barbie on, on, and on Facebook and, uh, I'll friend you, you know, until you give me a reason to, uh, unfriend you and, uh, www.deathheadpress.com. And don't fuck up like I did. It's J A R O D B A R B E E E. Right. Or Patrick C. Harrison, the third, uh, you can check him out at PC through horror.com. And I'm sure there's some links that it can direct you to death's head press. So, Find those in the uh, show notes, and uh, and do not be scared to approach us. We are very approachable dudes, and we try to answer every email. So we want to hear what's on your mind. So you know, drop me a line. Let me know. That's fantastic. And for those uh, that enjoyed this episode, next Monday we will be talking with Ellen Datlow. Stay tuned for that. Jared, thank you for joining us for almost two hours. And Brennan, as usual, thank you, sir. And to all our listeners, we appreciate you spending time with us, bringing us wherever you brought us. Maybe it's somewhere extreme. I don't know. Jared is probably into that. I probably will be into it, yes. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this Datlow uh, interview. Uh, She's a a lady I have a lot of respect for. I've read everything she's ever put out. So She's the anthologist editor, man. She's one of the greatest editors. She is. Right. I don't know why uh, she's coming on this show. (laughs) Dude, you guys have had some spectacular guests. I mean, I mean, my hat's off to you, y'all. Y'all brought the heat. So, uh, we got some interesting guests for the rest of season two. So, we're not going to spoil that. Stay tuned. You might find out sooner than later. Have a good one, everyone. Later. Deadhead space.